Hello, yoga teacher. Welcome to episode 30, a guide to pricing your yoga offerings. I created this episode not because it's the most fun or exciting topic, but because it seems to be a topic that is on a lot of yoga teachers' minds. Many times when we first start teaching, somebody just tells us what they're going to pay us, and we raise our hands and we say, yay, somebody's going to pay me to teach yoga. Then one day somebody asks you what you want to make teaching yoga. And for a lot of yoga teachers, they hadn't thought about that. And it feels like a really tough question with a lot of factors to consider. A couple episodes ago, the topic was an inquiry on the relationship between yoga and money. And in that episode, I advised yoga teachers to think in advance about any topic around money that they think will come up that might be challenging for them so that they don't get blindsided and have to make tough decisions when they're not when they don't have full resources. So this is a way to help you get started on some of that work. If you have a minimum price, then you can be at peace knowing what the moment that you're going to walk away from an opportunity is. Most of us tend to think of charging and earning money by the hour and sometimes by the year, but I think we have the easiest time wrapping our heads around an hourly rate. And most of the time when we get hired, that's what is going to make sense to whoever's paying us. Business coaches usually try to get you away from that way of thinking so that you can increase the amount of money that you're capable of bringing in. However, no matter how much we do end up making, we can still divide that number by the hour, by the number of hours that we worked. And that's how we come up with crazy statistics of how Jeff Bezos basically makes $4 million an hour. (laughs) That is not technically how he earns his money, but it does help give us a perspective of how much he makes compared to us and that's kind of what we're what we're trying to do here is we're looking in relationship to what other people are making and what the people who are hiring us might be expecting to pay. Eventually, I would love for you to have a digital or even a physical product that you can sell to tap into the dream of passive income. With the caveat, of course, that the term passive income is misleading because digital products re- require support and often updating. Um, We won't even get into all the details that physical products require. I'm not going to get into the pricing for digital products today because the pricing considerations are different from pricing for an in-person service, which is what most yoga teachers are doing. If you want a shortcut to calculating your personal minimum hourly rate, then listen to the end of the episode because I created a resource to help you with that. As you think about setting a minimum hourly rate for yourself, think of a matrix with three basic factors. One, your experience level. Two, competition. And three, location. Unless you work remotely or travel around, your location is pretty much set. Your experience increases over time. And your competition is the factor that is most under your control and partially based on your niche and partially on your location. If you haven't listened to episode 14, Find and Nurture Your Ideal Yoga Student, and episode 15, 
on-air coaching calls about choosing a niche, I recommend doing that, especially if you live in an area that has a lot of competition. If there are a lot of yoga teachers vying for the same spots, then knowing, being really clear on who you serve and being able to speak about that clearly and succinctly so that everybody you talk to understands right away how what you do is different from other yoga teachers, that is incredibly helpful in feeling like you are thriving as a yoga teacher. What we're talking about today is mostly focused on figuring out a minimum hourly rate. This doesn't mean that you will never charge more than this or less than this because you will be influenced by some factors, other factors, including travel time, prep time, alignment with your core values and your niche, networking opportunities, and probably other things that I'm not even thinking of right now. We have a range, but we probably don't even have a top to that range. You know, if somebody offered us twice as much as we expected to make, we wouldn't turn them down. But we do want to have a bottom end to the range. And this is the amount of money that's the minimum that makes sense for you to block off time in your calendar. And that's what we're going to be talking about mostly in this episode. Before we jump into that, let's talk about teaching as seva or service. Sometimes you may want to offer your teaching as a service and whether or not you do that is completely up to you. You might decide that you're going to do other kinds of service and always charge for teaching yoga. That's fine. Or you might set aside a certain number of hours for seva. What I don't recommend doing is discounting your prices as seva. Either charge your minimum or do it for free. The reason is that it creates clarity around your role and your worth. If you discount your price, then the person who is paying you is still going to treat you like a paid employee. If you do it for free, you will be treated as a volunteer, and there is a difference. If you have discounted your rate, you might expect that people will appreciate that discount. My experience is that it usually is not noticed. Once they are paying you anything, they feel like you are getting paid. When you do something completely for free, on the other hand, your generosity is very obvious and very clear. Not that I think you should do service for the acknowledgement, but it does get sticky when you feel like you're already being generous and then the people who hired you keep asking more and more of you and they feel justified to do that because they're paying for it. That's not always going to be the case, of course, but I've seen it often enough to advise yoga teachers to keep seva and teaching for pay separate. Keep the boundaries between your volunteer work and your income really clear, and I believe you'll feel better about both of them. Let's start figuring out that minimum amount. Depending on where you live, your clients and your students will have expectations about how much they pay for things. If you live in New York City, it's normal to pay $12 for a sandwich and $150 for a massage. If you live in Cedar Falls, Iowa, where I went to college, those prices would sound crazy and you would really expect to pay about half as much. For the purposes of this episode, we'll categorize locations as being small towns, small urban areas, and large metropolitan areas. 
when you consider which to use as your example, you can take into consideration also how affluent and how desirable your area is. In the quiz that I created to help you with this, we categorize all of those aspects as different pieces of the matrix. I currently live in Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville is a small city that is very desirable, not particularly affluent, although there are definitely pockets. And what this means is that the going rate for services here is more in the mid-range, but competition is very high. New teachers around here definitely need to start on the lower end, but if they find a good niche, they can jump up to a more mid-range fee. If you live in an urban area that's economically depressed, then your pricing might be more similar to a rural area. I hope all this is clear and making sense. And if it's not, you can always just take the quiz and let the computer do the algorithm, the calculation for you. I use the cost of a massage as a starting price point, though adjusted for the extra education and licensing requirements for massage therapists. When a massage therapist is in training, you can usually pay about 50% of the going rate in your area for a student massage. Once they're licensed, there are tiers of pricing, starting with big chains and discount massage places, then a basic rate for a self-employed therapist, a higher rate for experienced therapists who are in demand, and finally a top rate charged by really fancy spas. Since massage training is three to eight times the number of hours as yoga teacher training, depending on your state, I recommend thinking of yourself as a teacher in training for the first two years or so of your teaching. You can adjust that a bit by how many hours a week you teach. For example, if you teach 20 hours a week, you can consider yourself fully trained in a year. That would, that's a lot of hours. But if you only teach five hours a week, take more like four years. Obviously, this is just an estimate. It's not a hard and fast rule. And your prior life experiences will play a role also. If you've been teaching another movement modality for a decade, for example, you won't have the same learning curve as someone who has no prior teaching experience or maybe no prior movement teaching experience. Let's look at these numbers based on my location, and if you live somewhere else, you can increase or decrease depending on the way that your location is different from mine. As I mentioned earlier, Asheville is a small city, and it's pretty um, trendy and desirable. Wages are on the lower side, but expenses are more moderate to high. So the base rate for a massage around here is $60 per hour, which I think is the average rate nationwide. Massage schools charge $30 per hour for a student massage. So around here, if you just graduated from teacher training, you could expect to make about $30 an hour for a group or private class. Now, when you factor in planning and driving, you're probably looking at more like $10 to $12 an hour. So I still would avoid teaching a class that regularly bring, brings in less than $30 unless there's other benefits. For example, getting to take classes for free, teaching privates to those students, or 
just marketing and exposure and the, com- the type of community you really want to be part of. You also might luck into classes that regularly bring in more than that, and that is awesome. We're just looking at a minimum consideration. As you gain experience teaching, you'll want to bump up your rates to eventually meet with the, with the basic rate for a massage therapist. Once you find a sweet spot with your niche or you gain enough experience to be in demand, you might increase your rates to $75 to $100 an hour. If you live in a rural area or an urban area, those rates are going to adjust up or down and also in response to competition. So there are yoga teachers in rural areas who can charge similar to what an urban teacher charges because they don't have any competition, but there's a lot of demand. When you plan a workshop or another event where the number of attendees determines the amount you make, calculate how many people it would take to meet your minimum hourly rate. That's your minimum number of people registered for the event to be a go. Or you can do it backwards where you calculate, okay, I want 10 people. This is my minimum rate. Now I know how much I have to charge each of these people. For workshops and events, you don't usually take planning time into consideration. You'll think of planning time as an investment for repeating those events that are successful. Eventually, you will have what I think of as a signature program or several signature programs, which are workshops or trainings that you've taught many times. You don't need to do a ton of prep for. They really play to your strengths and your focus and your vision. Sometimes you'll need to negotiate a set rate, maybe for a corporate class or for a one-off event. And that minimum that you perhaps have already thought of or maybe need to take the quiz to figure out, that minimum is the least amount that you will take before walking away from an opportunity unless there are other perks or benefits that make up for it. If you're negotiating, this is probably not going to be the first rate that you start with. It's simply the lowest counter offer that you would accept. It is helpful to enter negotiations with clarity around what your bottom line is. And I think walking away is something that many yoga teachers are hesitant to do especially if they don't have as much work as they would like. It's easy to justify some income being better than no income, and that is definitely true, especially when you're getting other benefits in addition to income. For example, when you're new to teaching, experience is valuable in and of itself. So some people happily teach for free when they're new, and I totally support this. You can also, as I mentioned earlier, teach for free as seva. However, it's important to notice if you are teaching for free or if you're teaching for a discounted rate for experience, what the point is, where it becomes that you're depleting yourself or stealing energy from other areas of your business or your life. You can think of this in the context of Asteya. What else are you stealing from to make this happen? So don't teach for less than your minimum just for money. Because, to be honest, there are a lot more efficient ways to make money than teaching yoga. This calculation is going to be different for different people. But if you notice that you feel more energized and inspired after teaching a certain type of class, 
you can make that a part of your calculation. As an introvert, for me, teaching group classes takes a lot out of me. They can be very satisfying, but I do need to refuel afterwards, and I won't be in a space to do creative work. I know this. I know this about myself. In contrast, when I do one-on-one coaching, the coaching work that I do with yoga teachers, I do feel energized afterwards, and I, I feel actually filled up and able to do creative high-level work. So my minimum rate for the two types of work, right, teaching group classes and teaching one-on-one coaching, my minimum rate is the same for both. But I will hold my boundaries more strongly with group work because I understand what each type of work is going to give me and take out of me. You might have a completely different experience about what kind of situations take more energy from you. One of my coaching clients, for example, shared with me that teaching privates, especially where her clients want to be fixed in a structural way, feels draining to her. She ended up setting the boundary that she will teach privates that are based on meditation and yoga nidra, but not any longer accept clients with structural issues. This is a really beautiful piece of self-awareness and the ability to know these things about yourself and set boundaries around them is going to increase your amount of energy that you have for higher level creative endeavors. Part of my goal with this podcast is to give you information, resources, and tools to help you bring more of that into your life, to bring that support for creative process, because that is the place that I personally feel most fulfilled and and everybody that I talk to when, you know, there's so many different ways to be creative. Of course, you can, you can be um, creative in in the realm of technology. You can be creative in the realm of gardening. I mean, this is, but we're, we're yoga teachers and We thrive on being able to really feel and think deeply about the technology of yoga and how best to share it with our students. So I want to help you spend more of your time doing that and less of your time worrying about things that you can decide in advance, like how much money should I charge? The question of what to charge as a yoga teacher is definitely complicated, and there's so many factors that in one podcast, there's no way for me to address all of them. To determine your published rate, meaning what you will actually tell people that you charge, different from your minimum, the best thing to do is to look what other people in your area with similar levels of experience are charging. So if you don't have anyone else in your area to compare to, take your minimum rate and add about 25%. When you know it's time to raise your rates is when you're getting fully booked out. If you're turning away opportunities to teach because you're simply too busy, incrementally raise your rates until you reach the point where you're full but not overbooked. Or maybe you'll be so wildly successful that you will continue being overbooked and that's a good problem to have, then it's time to start saying no to opportunities for other reasons you feel like you have special circumstances or you just want to get some more personalized advice, 
I love working with yoga teachers one-on-one. And I would love for you to book a strategy session by going to teachingyoga.net slash coaching. That is all for this week. Thank you for listening, especially those of you who listened all the way through. And please remember to make time for your personal practice. Have a wonderful week.